Mike, Mike is first. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know anything? 2020, you've been good to me. Today on Town Hall, I am joined by longtime friend of the show, uh, longer time friend of the show host, Colton. And today's episode is set up a lot like the Joe Rogan experience. It's a long one um, with about 40 minutes at the beginning of just chopping it up. Um, but, however, we do get into some very good topics of Confederate monuments, Birmingham's economy reopening back up. So it's a very interesting topic. And Colton, obviously a history major, knows a lot about what's going on and has some interesting historical perspective on everything that's going on. So I hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to get to the meat and potatoes, obviously skip ahead to 40 minutes in. Other than that, thank you guys. Hope you enjoy. Sucks, right? Can we agree on that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Haven't done anything this summer but sit at home and read. That's a good thing. Do you normally sit at home and read? Absolutely not. Okay, do you not normally sit at home or do you not normally read? Or both? Mainly read. Yeah. I've read more books this summer than I have like my entire we are in life. The same boat. Yeah. I never read period. I always hated reading. Yeah, exactly. I've told you about this, like my theory on how to get not my theory, my proven, what is it when it's, and it's not proven, it's a theory, but when it's proven, it's a theorem. Is that right? I have no idea. We learned this somewhere. I have no idea. My theorem <laughs> on getting through high school and middle school and elementary school, you don't have to read the whole book that they assign. If it's a book that you get to choose, mm-hmm. you just pick um, chapter one, chapter four, and chapter ten. Read those halfway, really, just so you understand who the characters are and where they are in their struggle. And you can just focus on those certain chapters. And even if it's a book they assigned, you pick, um, like, the ending chapters and the beginning chapters, and you focus on those. So that way, when you go into a book discussion, you just elaborately display your knowledge on those few chapters and say, I just feel like it hit me to the core when he just overcame... Tarsus and whatever, and you're like, okay, he gets it. He understands the material. The fact that I didn't read the middle 30 chapters means nothing. I understood the beginning. I understood how it resolved. Boom. Because he was making a case for, like, the emotional weight that impacted him? Yes. There you go. I focused only on the climax. And it was like, bam, this is what matters. I'm like, okay. That's true. That's true. And then if they ask you about something else... Usually if they ask you a follow-up question, they'll give you the details of the situation. And you're just like, oh, yeah, you know, I thought that was good, but... And you just bring it right back to the <laughs> Say, but we really know right here. Yeah, so... I used to just use spark notes. Okay, yeah, that's a good choice as well, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, there were times where I didn't even have the book. <laughs> and I just used spark notes. <laughs> that was later in high school when, like, I stopped caring. Especially senior year. Did you even go through the bother of 
doing Spark Notes senior year? Like, did you even? Yeah. Now I know you read Beowulf. Oh yeah. I know Beowulf. we we thoroughly because we then we watched the movie. Oh. If you guys, if you guys haven't watched Beowulf, the it, greatest movie of all time. It's un, unequivocally. They took it off Netflix. <laughs> they did. It's a shame. I'll just go get the Blu-ray DVD. That's a shame. I'll get the box set. We'll get the vinyl soundtrack. <laughs> the box set. <laughs> <laughs> what are they gonna put in it? Just it's just the, the same DVD. It's just the three movie. Times. <laughs> <laughs> just print three of that one DVD. No, you get the standard. You get the Blu-ray. Then you get the 4K. That way, no matter. Could Beowulf be in 4K? Of course it could be in 4K. Why couldn't it be in 4K? Why stop there? Why why not just 8K? 12K? You just go ahead and make it a live action play. <laughs> or you just go watch it in person. <laughs> Full, okay, is... Are TVs looking better than real life? No. Are you sure? Because I, I thought about that too, and I read something one time. It was for The Hateful Eight, because... Tarantino filmed it like on this really special film, like the really old timey films, and mm-hmm. it said something that like the film is technically twelve K. You know, because you, when you think about it, film isn't like digital formatting; it's not based on pixels, right? You know, right? So, which is what four K is? Four K is just a really high resolution mm-hmm. that comes close to what we perceive with our own eyes, but mm-hmm. like our eyes don't see in pixels, right? If that makes sense. Yeah. So you're just trying to find like the comparison. Um, but the film apparently is actually 12K. But, like, I mean, most films today are shot with digital cameras. Yeah. But he shot it with film. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I expect nothing less from Quentin Tarantino. It's fantastic. I finally watched um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Did you? It was all right. It wasn't It wasn't Tarantino's best. Oh, no, no, no. But We're not going there. I really liked it. I think it took you on the typical Tarantino ride, and that was all I appreciated. Well, I think... I was just disappointed at the end because I wanted more violence. I wanted more violence. We were supposed to be talking about a, 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 a coffee shop, but this we need to put that aside <laughs> for just a moment. No, because think about it. the whole entire movie. There's not a whole lot of violence. No, there's. And so, until so I was, no. I was like, this climax better be because it's supposed to be helter skelter. Yeah. With so in the murders of Sharon Tate and all that, and then like, it just. I left with, like, there could have been more. Because, like, during the climax with, like, the whole, like, the girl gets flamethrowered in the pool. Yes! Even though I don't know why she didn't just, like, dive down. She's like, literally in a pool. You're in a pool. And she just stood there. Um, the guy getting bit by the dog. Um, I forgot what happened to the other girl. She got stabbed a lot, didn't she? I, I don't remember. Um, I, just, I wanted more, I think. I just... I wanted, I wanted, like, the Inglorious Bastards type. Okay, yeah, that was... But I felt like the scale of that, that you were allowed to be more violent. Because, like, there were just a lot more bodies. There was a lot more chaos. Yeah. It's like, okay, this was an intimate setting that said, okay, whatever you got to do, you can only do with these five people. And I felt like using the resources allowed, this was about a maximum. <laughs> Unless you just completely rewrite... I mean, he obviously rewrote the story, but, like, Unless you completely rewrite what happens, I feel like this is you yeah. know, what's allowed. Yeah. The flamethrower part was really cool. I like that, that part was definitely the better part. Did you did it make you think that it was gonna end badly? Because that whole time Oh yeah, obviously... I thought he was gonna do Helter Skelter one hundred percent. I know, because obviously Homeboy I guess we're spoiling the movie, but it came out and it's on DVD. So yeah, it's been it's been it. out for a while. It's so. your fault. Yeah. It's not our fault, it's your fault. Once he took that acid lay cigarette, I was like, this is going to end horribly. Horribly. And then he just 
murders the people. And I guess that proves the theory that he did, in fact, murder his wife. Because uh, they're like, ah, did he, though? And it's like, yeah, he did. He, he most definitely did. With said heartbreak. That's true. I did like the chemistry between Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio, though. It's beautiful. Even though I don't think they're real friends. I'm like... Real life? Yeah, I don't think... Really? I don't think they're friends. Mm. I feel like they've been in the same circles long enough to where I to just assume... I think they're, like, in the overall Hollywood circle, but they're not in, like... I mean, I they're don't know. I'm just speculating yeah, at this point. <laughs> I have no inside sources. Let, let me just call up my sources in Hollywood <laughs> for this. I don't know. I guess that just makes them look good actors, if you can. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I'm disappointed in you, Gold. More, more violence? I, I, out of, I wanted more violence. I don't know what to say. I'm just a degenerate, I guess. You just don't appreciate film. I don't. Okay. I'm not a film you just don't connoisseur. Know film. You're right. Yeah, it's my fault. It's it's all my fault. <laughs> oh, but I do miss movies a lot. I can't tell you how bad I've been waiting for Tenet to come yes. out. I'm just convinced we're never going to see it. I don't think we're ever going to see I it. I think it's going to be so Christopher Nolan esque of a film that nobody will ever be able to watch it, except apparently China because they got it. That is true. I saw that with China opening up movie theaters. So we just got to move to China. Although I think I read an article where like some theater companies opening back up and they have a theater in Huntsville it's it's not amc though it's some other um theater company i i can't remember the name though but they only have like it's small yeah um but are they gonna have is he gonna release it to just these? that's my thing like they can't show it unless he actually releases like, he needs it. amc to open up because they're the biggest since carmine's you know what movie i was talking to josh the other day and i told him like i asked him i was like do you remember the james bond movie that was supposed to come out yeah, no time to die. No time to die. They're supposed to come out like the week that people yes. got quarantined and nobody's talking about it. And then you got Disney's Mulan coming out on Disney Plus for $30. What? It'll that's cost, news to me. It'll cost $30. Well, think about it because they're like, well, it's going to be their whole families. So why don't we just up the price? That would be just a regular ticket since people are just going to watch it with their family. So I'll have to pay $30 on top of the twelve ninety nine or whatever I already pay to watch Mulan to watch Mulan. specifically. Yeah, thirty dollars. This is a one-time. Yep. Stop it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you'll buy it and then like in you terms of it? being licensed, but I'm guessing it's gonna be rented. If I'm paying thirty dollars, I'm keeping it, or else I'll just wait. Who in the Who in the right mind is that anticipated? Like that hype about Mulan to where you would pay thirty dollars? Well, I just feel like Disney. They made a lot. They made nobody happy with Mulan because they were trying to make China happy. By getting rid of the like music numbers, yeah. But the problem is that's why the American audiences liked it. <laughs> Pretty much. And then, and uh, Eddie Murphy. That's true. They don't have Mushu. <laughs> no they don't have the Lucky Cricket. No. Do you remember that? Oh, I love that Lucky. I don't. Who knows if they'll have the Grandma? I don't. Think I think they're really trying to make this like a serious. But if you look at the trailer, like it doesn't look serious. I think it does. I think I they're think so. it's their attempt at being serious. No, they they desaturated it, and then they're like, okay, now Mulan just gets to do a bunch of karate stuff, and yeah, then right. and then see, it's totally serious. See, she's she's serious. the heroine of China. Don't worry about yes, it. Yes, yes. Even I though guess. in the movie, it's like she obviously isn't a warrior, but she uses her brains to get out of it. Like yeah, like during when she shoots the um, firework in onto the mountain, and it causes the avalanche. Mm. Remember. All I'm saying is that she killed more Mongols than the entire Chinese <laughs> army. Girl did some damage. And she, and she didn't do a single thing of karate. But no. she's, I bet she's going to do that in the movie. I don't know. I'm speculating. Wow. I'm just mad because there won't be any music numbers. 
That's Dude, all. I I didn't appreciate Mulan enough, but like it did have the bangers. It had stray bangers. Girl, we're fighting for uh, reflection. Man out of you, mm-hmm. like straight bangers. Come on now, like I don't know any other besides Lion King. Other Disney movies that I had a score that I was like, oh yeah, they had some good Tarzan with, Ooh. with Phil Collins. He went hard. Okay. Oh, I don't think that counts. Because it's Collins not like him singing. singing. It wasn't like yeah, the it's not characters Tarzan singing. Were singing. I mean, that's still a good band. soundtrack. That's still a great soundtrack. Um, you know, The Hunchback of Notre Dame is not bad. I don't mind its soundtrack. I don't think the movie's that great, but like the soundtrack's pretty good. He scared me too much to watch it at the time. It scared me as a kid. It did scare. What are, what other Disney Renaissance movies are there? Um. Hercules is okay. It doesn't have the best, but it, it does have like Go to the Distance and Zero to Hero. Yeah, yeah. And the Muses. Okay. Yeah. Um, that one was fun. Hercules was fun. Hercules, I wish they'd do a live action thing of Hercules. They did. With Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That, that wasn't based on the <laughs> Disney. <laughs> <That count. laughs> like, what are you talking about? It was a totally random independent film, but it was a live action. Are, okay, are you a fan of these live action Disney remakes? Absolutely. You just not. said. Absolutely but you just not. said you wish they did a live action Hercules. Yeah, but so something in you wants a live action. It's like I said, I'm a degenerate. I just want to see these movies. <laughs> I'm just a degenerate. It's I okay. I'll take anything. At the right. And then right now, I'll see any movie. Um, so yeah, let's see. We got. I don't like The Little Mermaid. I don't like Beauty and the Beast. Will you watch Percy Jackson Sea of Monsters? No. All right. <laughs> I didn't even read the Percy Jackson books, so I yeah. Okay, yeah. I was a I was a nerd for it. I've read every single book. Really? Every single one. I mean, I, like, I heard they're good books. Pocahontas actually has a pretty good soundtrack. I actually like. I wasn't a fan of the story. Soundtrack. I know it's a real kind of like story, but I was like, ah, I just can't. Not enough. I, I get I get the story. Aladdin obviously has a great soundtrack. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. People usually get mad at me when I say I didn't like Beauty and the Beast. I just, I didn't. I think more people are starting to understand it wasn't as good of a movie as everybody thinks. Well, I didn't watch it as a kid. I didn't watch it till like high school. Yes, you were. And then so I didn't have like the rose colored glasses. Yeah. Um, same with The Little Mermaid. I didn't watch The Little Mermaid until I was like in middle school. Oh, dude, I love Little Mermaid. Yeah. Um, but like Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback, Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan, I all watched as a kid and I all love. Atlantis? Have we talked about this? We've already talked. Oh. If they made an Atlantis live action movie, it could work because there's, <laughs> because there's no music numbers. No, and you don't even have to do anything; just make it verbatim. It's a pure academic film where you could just remake. You could make it serious. You could just make it like a remake, literally, of what happened, and it would be beautiful. You know what else would be a good live action movie? Treasure Planet. Planet. I knew that was fun. People, have you noticed that people always put Atlantis and Treasure Planet in, in the, the same, same vein? Yeah, I think they're just severely underrated Disney movies. That were just like, what is this? Like, this goes so far against the grain of, like, typical Disney. It was just good. Well, it's because they failed at the box office when they first came out. Did they really? They did. No way. Mm-hmm. I had an Atlantis uh, ship toy. I thought it was, I thought that was a they, thing. They failed. And it was supposedly because they weren't Disney. Oh, stop. And so people didn't, like, take their kids. They to didn't see have them. all the girl, uh, I shouldn't say girl. Like the princessy vibe. Yeah, they didn't have you know, the flash music numbers, the really funny sidekick. That's like usually an animal. That hurts my feelings. It does. Is that why Tron didn't do good? I saw something that the director was going to say that Tron 3 is going to... Yes, sequel. Tron 3 has been confirmed. Yes. They're coming out with it. 
not yes. as big of a budget. I think they used a lot of budget last time and didn't exactly recoup the funds that they were hoping on the second one. But Tron 3 is in fact happening. And I've watched it four times over this pandemic. <laughs> all within a 48-hour span. So It's a good movie. It's a fabulous movie. It's a movie. great movie. It's so visual. That thing came out in, what, 2008? I have no idea. It came out at least 10 plus years ago. And it was so visually stunning. Yeah. Soundtrack by Daft Punk. They were, they were in the movie, man. Yes! yes. In the club scene. Ugh. People sleep on Tron. I don't appreciate it. I wanted to... Because that was the... It was timed perfectly. Because that was the same time... Like the iPhones, iPod touches came out, and everybody mm. had light bikes. So they're like, oh, uh, this is what that is. And I'm like, oh, I get it. So, Did you ever watch the original Tron movie? I, I tried. Because I haven't. I watched Tron Legacy, and then I saw it was also on Disney Plus, the original. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, let me see what. Because like Jeff Bridges apparently was in the original Tron. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. I started watching it, and you can just. It looks You don't old. go from visually stunning yeah. Tron Legacy to. 1980s we're just trying yeah it, <laughs> it, was, it, it is not a I good mean, it's looking probably movie. A good movie but i mean i can't look at it i'll i'll listen to it you know if it was like on the radio and they just had like the audio transcript going sure sure i just couldn't bring my eyes to stare at such a such a thing yeah Shout i think i think about the cast for making an atlantis live action movie all the time i really do like, I go to sleep thinking about that. I'm so glad you spend your time effectively thinking about the casting situation of a hypothetical movie <laughs> that might not ever come out. <laughs> Especially no time soon. I don't, I don't have a lot to do at night. <laughs> <laughs> so who's the cast? Who would, who would be? Who's Milo? Obviously the first person. Milo's the hardest one that I haven't figured out That's yet. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know of anybody who accurately... <gasps> no? Please do not say Tom Holland. I was going to go please, with his predecessor, Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire is old now, though. You can dress him down. What about Andrew Garfield? Because that's what I thought you were about to say when you said predecessor. Oh, basically any Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Garfield has like kind of like that really skinny build. He does, and he's probably better. But I just feel like Tobey Maguire, the, you got to get the goofiness of it. Yeah. If Andrew Garfield does it, he's too slick. Like, if he tries to act goofy, I'll be like, this isn't genuine. I don't trust you, Andrew Garfield. You put Tobey Maguire, my man Maguire is on fire in an Atlantis movie, it's going to feel authentic. He's like 40 years old, though. And Milo's supposed to be, like, in his 20s. He can he can act young. No, man. I can't do Tobey Maguire. This used to be the typical, like, 90s movies play. They have these 40-year-old guys acting like college no, people. Can't. It's like, oh, yeah, we're young. <laughs> I, 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 draw, I draw the line of Tobey Maguire. We're not doing Tobey Maguire. On. No. He was Spider-Man six years ago, or 10 plus 12, 15. He, he was Spider-Man, just not to make up. CGI, we can do this. We can do this. D-age Tobey Maguire just so he can play Milo in it. Deep Atlanta. fake Tobey Maguire. Okay, get the body of Andrew Garfield. <laughs> the face of Toby Maguire. And just deep fake Toby Maguire on it. And then it will be perfect. We're good to go. Yes. Um I thought about the girl who plays um Gamora. I forget I always forget her name. Zoe Zaldana. Yeah, I th- her for um Kita. Um mm-hmm. okay. I don't think that's bad. Um I want Terry Crews as the I doctor. I was gonna say yes to <laughs> I want Terry Crews as the doctor. That's just me. Um, I don't know about Mole. Mole, Mole could be anybody. I think Jack Black. Jack Black could work. 
He's round enough to do it well. Yeah. Um, he doesn't. I'm not gonna say that he doesn't have enough personal pride to take such a role, but he did Nacho Libre. So it's he, like, he, all right, he's he did the Jumanji to... movie where he was like a teenage girl trapped in a exactly. Jack Black. So body. this, I think, is just down his alley. Yeah. He... <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Um. <laughs> and Treasure Planet, I have no idea. I have no idea That's about tough. the cast. That's a hard cast. I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio back when he was 22. Would be a good lead. He would have been a good gym. He'd have been perfect, but yeah. obviously, if and if Toby I mean, McGuire can't be, if you can de-age <laughs> Toby McGuire, you can de-age Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> a forty-seven-year-old Leonardo DiCaprio playing a sixteen-year-old boy. <laughs> I I dare say it's been done before. Maybe. I mean, he could probably. I don't know. I don't know. We're in the twenty-first century, folks. We'll figure something. It's out. time. It's time. <laughs> it's time. I do love all those like internet things where it's like, here's what the cast would be of the Avengers if this took place back in like 1995. And oh, like, and it's oh. like Tom Cruise as Iron Man. Yeah, stuff. yeah. And it's like uh, I forget the guy who plays everybody else, but it was like Eddie Murphy is Black Panther or something. No, Denzel's Black Panther. I was about to say. Eddie Murphy is Rhodey. Yeah, and I was like, I oh, see that. this is fun. I enjoy this. I can see that. I can see Denzel Washington being like an old Black Panther right now. That'd be something. Fun. That'd be kind of cool. I need Denzel to do something. I need some Denzel in my life. Don't we all? Yeah, I think we do. Just go back and watch Remember the Titans. That's what I do. (laughs) I watched Equalizer the other day. That's a pretty good movie. Pretty good action scenes. That movie alone made me wish Denzel... I wish we would be at the point where we're comfortable changing the race of Batman for just one movie. Just so he could be Batman. Like an old Batman? Well, I wish he was younger. Like a Batman Beyond type thing? That could work. You could do a Batman Beyond where Denzel Washington's old Batman, like old Bruce Wayne, and then... um, mm. um I'm blanking on his name. Oh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> Mike, Michael B. Jordan. Oh, um, yeah. He could, he could be um the young Batman. Well, they want Michael B. to be Superman really bad. Really bad for some reason. I don't like him as Superman. It doesn't seem natural for me. Yeah. It's like, this doesn't... Well, I think Superman's one of those characters where, like, it's... Like, it's about the image, yeah. you know? Well, apparently there is this, like, alternate universe Superman. Where he is, yeah, he is black, yeah. But, I mean, like, I don't want the cheap version. <laughs> I mean, that's typical Hollywood. Get the black man, the cheap version. Well, like, why not, well, like, why not just, like, introduce, well, they did, did introduce Cyborg. Um, but, like, Martian Manhunter. You could, or John Stewart, the Green Lantern. Yeah. Do you remember well, him? they were talking about having him as Idris Elba. For the longest, that would be pretty dope. I like I liked John Stewart in the Justice League um, cartoons. Yeah, I really liked him. Because um, he was like a founding member, I think. I didn't. Yeah, because he he was there from the beginning, if I remember. Let me throw away Flash though. I really don't like this Flash. That is your Miller Flash. Yeah, I just don't think they, have, they haven't used him correctly. I don't like any of the current Flashes. The cartoon, not the cartoon, the TV show Flash, or this current Flash. Now I hate the TV show Flash. I just don't like this Ezra Miller. I, again, I, I think it's because they just haven't used them correctly. They haven't used any of those characters correctly. <laughs> Hold. Right, oh, Wonder Woman. Well, oh, yeah, Wonder Woman. Yeah, you're right. The movie Wonder Woman. Yeah. Wonder Woman and Justice League wasn't used good either. I don't think. Justice League was just a bad movie. Oh, this, did you see, like, the Snyder Cut? No. I'm actually kind of excited for I don't that. even know what that is. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so, so, so um, when they were filming Justice League, Zack Snyder, the one who made Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, yeah. and was making Justice League, his, like, daughter died. And so he stepped oh. away, and then they brought Josh Whedon in. And Josh Whedon and Zack Snyder are two very different directors. Yeah. And so Josh Whedon did a bunch of reshoots, made like 
changed a whole bunch of Justice League, oh. and they released the movie. And remember, remember how Superman like looked really weird. Yeah, it's because during the reshoots, um, yeah. Henry Cavill uh, had the beard because of Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible that and so, so they had to CGI over his beard. Oh, stop it! Yeah, I and then that's why, why it looked that weird. Was. I because I didn't know about the reshoots and the different change, director change. I just thought it was just bad CGI. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> no, no, no. I was like, this man took two jobs where he couldn't do it at the same no, time. No, no. There, there's an actual reason. It's because he thought he was done, and he yeah, so he thought he was done, so he started growing it out, and then he's like, well. I thought we were done, so and my priorities are with this Mission movie now. Yeah. yeah, and so you can't blame Henry Cavill for that. No, I did for the longest because I just didn't. I wasn't educated on the situation. No, no. Oh, I feel bad now. I called that man some nasty names. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Justice League has a lot more problems than just Henry Cavill places oh, looking sure, weird. But for sure, do you think any of the Justice League, like that whole DC universe, is going to be resolved at all? Because like it's really just like. No. We're just getting started, and it's like, hey, we're not interested at no, all. No, 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 no. I mean, I told you this. I'm a huge fan of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. They're not perfect movies, but I think they're very good, thought-provoking movies. I'll jump on ship with Man of Steel. I'm yeah. not so there with that. Well, I mean, I've I watched the unlimited or the unlimited, not the unlimited, the ultimate version of um Batman v Superman because I have the DVD. Ooh, I'm just a, I'm just wow! A, I'm just all a right. nerd like that. The box set. The box set, man. <laughs> um. I'm a I'm a big fan of Batman movie Superman. It's not it's by no means a great movie, but I think it's very close. If they just changed a few things, it could have been the best yeah. comic movie of all time. Um, just like just bad. That's just a bad movie. It's terrible. You, you can't even defend it. Um, now nah, they're not gonna fix DC. I thought they I saw something where like they're gonna like rush it to Flashpoint, and then once they Ooh. do Flashpoint, they're gonna reset it. Uh, oh yeah, just give up completely. <laughs> Like, just change it all because, like, they have to make it make sense. They can either just swallow the pill and be like, you know what, we we screwed up, it's all done, or they can take it to Flashpoint. And then once Flashpoint is resolved, was that what that scene was where Flash came back in like Bruce's dream? That was Flashpoint. Well, yes, because I don't think I don't remember them ever resolving that in the movies to this point. Yeah, so Flashpoint, there's a different version of Flashpoint, but basically, Flashpoint is basically. Um, Flash, like, he uses the speed force to, like, go back in time and fix a bunch of stuff. And so right. what they were going to do was Darkseid was going to win. Oh. And then that's why Ezra Miller's Flash so used the speed force. It would have been it would have been a Flashpoint, but also you have a Flashpoint where it's almost an Injustice universe where Flash, he gets put into this other dimension, and that's where he finds Thomas Wayne as Batman because Bruce was the one who right, died. Right, right. And then, like, Thomas his mom Wayne, becomes the Joker. Right, exactly. Right. So there's, like, there's different... So ways they, you can take Flash. So they were just going to. I guess they wouldn't have been stealing because it hadn't come out yet. But that sounds dangerously like Infinity War and Endgame. Oh, Thanos wins! We have to go back in time. Well, I hate. And, I hate Thanos because he's such a generic. Yeah. He's such a generic off-brand version of Darkseid. Well, but Marvel has the benefit of being first. It is, yeah, exactly. First, so, so I just know it doesn't matter. If DC. Oh, so explain to me, Darkseid. What is he then? Is he just going around blowing stuff up? So the thing about Darkseid is like he's like this giant mafia boss, right? Okay. Basically, so he's like a he like Thanos. He has like this whole army. Yeah. He has his own planet called Apocalypse. Okay. And so his whole thing is like he wants to take over Earth, and like there are these mother boxes, right? And so justice, okay. No. Yeah. yeah. And so Darkseid is just he doesn't need Infinity Stones because he's just that powerful. He's just already a baller. He's already that powerful, yeah. And so um, yeah, they gotta fight Darkseid. And he usually like he usually wins, but like. The first encounter is like Thanos does. And yeah. 
they got a band together and the power of friendship and then they, you, know, you know it's like that type of really calling the power rangers yeah. and then when they get it all and then ninja turtles come in and everybody wins yeah basically all right i mean dc has like their animated universe that's pretty good yeah dc's animated movies and tv shows wonderful well dc all of dc's properties except <clears throat> movies are better than marvel yeah comics video games tv shows i'm glad you said are better than marvel because i'm not so sure i've been doing rewatching a lot in this mm-hmm. time i think i've already told you about my disdain for some marvel movies chiefly captain america civil war i don't think we explain how garbage of a movie that is because of the hype that we put around it, and we're just too scared to say, hey, we were idiots. We were wrong. This was a bad movie. Yeah, Civil War. A lot of people like Civil War, though. It was fun. It was like, hey, woo, everybody's fighting, woo. Well, it's kind of like with Marvel movies in general. Like, they're, they're fun movies. They're entertaining movies, but they don't really make a lot exactly. of sense when you think about them. I rewatched Civil War the other day, and I just, I basically threw up. Because it was disgusting to me how bad they can, how dumb it was. When they got to the big fight scene, where their side is fighting my side, mm-hmm. understand where Team Captain America was in this situation. Captain America cannot fly. Winter Soldier cannot fly. Yep. Falcon can fly, but only himself <laughs> at low speeds, basically. Who cares about Falcon, right? <laughs> I mean... They essentially have nobody on their team. Well, they had Ant-Man too, but he can't be big for long, and they're not riding his back. To wherever they need to go. Yeah. All they were trying to do was get to the Quinjet that is conveniently parked in some random aircraft hangar. Okay, I don't know who <laughs> put it there, but it's it's here. All right? Yeah. Team Tony, who, mind you, in Iron Man 3 built a legion of flyable suits. <laughs> Unmanned. And then later in, I forget which movie it was, he had these sentinel robots who also were like an army that were not crazy. Oh, and in um, Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. he has those manless super I mean Iron Man robots where he doesn't have to be in. Yeah. All right, so he could he could summon those guys at any time. Yeah. And end whatever disagreement he has, but he never chooses to do that at the right time. He chose to do it at the one time when it whatever. And that goes back to my argument with Iron Man Two. We look at Hammer as the bad guy of the movie. When all he's trying to do, at first he was trying to get some men in super suits. But at the end, it was like, unmanned people to fight our wars. Because we're tired of sacrificing our own. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? Drones. We have drones. Anyway, bring it back to Civil War. All Iron Man is, I mean, all Captain America is trying to do is get to the Quinjet. Mm-hmm. Instead of Iron Man and War Machine unloading the heavy-duty military ballistic armor and just blow up the Quinjet... And say, all right, now you guys got to come with us. They waste all their time fighting Captain America instead of turning around and saying, all right, blow up the Quinjet real quick. Because that's the only thing they're trying to <laughs> I get. Did, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a good Vision. Point. <laughs> the man who defeated Ultron basically by himself. Yeah, he's really under He just stands around and says, they're like, hey, Vision, do something. He's like, oh, okay. And he'll do something. When Iron Man, excuse, I keep saying Iron Man, Captain America and Winter Soldier were running to the Quinjet. Vision sees him. He's like, I'll stop this. I got this soul stone in my head. I can blow up whatever I want to. Mm-hmm. Why don't I just blow up the Quinjet? No. Let me blow up this random building right next to it and have it fall down in front of them, but they have just enough time to slide right under it. 
when he could have just turned his head 12 degrees to the left and blew up the Quinjet. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody, nobody even thought about any of this stuff. This glaringly obvious flaw in that entire situation. I don't remember. I feel like the whole point of Civil War is that it relies too heavily on Iron Man still being angry with Winter Soldier. Who killed his mom? But like he, he was brainwashed though, you know. Yeah, but then I Captain America knew about it. He could have at least came to me as a man. You know, like, hey, listen. But is that enough to like just start fighting people over? But I'm saying the fact you had if it okay, it's your mom, Colton. You got to remember it's your mom. You can't yeah. see it because it's like it's his mama. But if it was your mama, you'd be a little upset. It's like okay, this guy is. You killed my mom. You didn't even have the audacity to tell me about it. We men. Just tell me. You know? I so, guess, but... I feel like you could have sent him a text. Like, is it enough to, like, destroy a whole airport and all that? Could just blow up the Quinjet and we have to blow up the airport. Also, like, the whole government thing, but I don't really care about that. Yeah, I don't, it, yeah, I don't think... Who really cares? The Sokovia Accords. <laughs> like, what are y'all talking about? Y'all they could have just signed it and still did whatever they wanted to do. It was kind of ridiculous. because like, you spend, like, half of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like with movies that destroy everything and then at Civil War they're like oh wait a minute a whole bunch of people died because of you guys it's like wait a minute like like, like wait a minute. A lot of there, there are consequences to these actions like and everybody was like oh yeah they're so right it's like well that that probably should have happened earlier <laughs> when y'all blew up New York that probably should have been yeah. a bigger discussion yeah, like y'all yeah and then like at the same time it's like well there were like you know aliens coming down I think we cut them a pass to that and then the entire city of Sokovia was off the ground. <laughs> Whether we showed up or not, that people were going to... That was coming down. Like it was, <laughs> It's coming down. It's coming down. So I don't think, I don't think they, they analyzed that whole situation correctly. You know, it's a weird movies. It's very weird. It's weird movies. Not as fun as I thought. I learned Black Panther's not as good either. It was fun. Like the hype around Black Panther was fun at the time. Then I rewatched it. I was like, ah, this is a, it's an okay movie. It's all right. Yeah. But anyway. Why, right. do, why do we start this podcast? I don't even remember why. Uh, I don't remember. We're uh, 36 minutes in. Uh, and we so. haven't talked about like a single thing. Anyway, Colton, you want to be a chef or something like that? Talking about cheese at first. Yeah, well, I watched Ratatouille and I was just like, I got to get change your life. I got to get in on this. Is that the Disney movie? Ratatouille, yeah, it's Pixar. It's not on, is it on? Yeah, Pixar is owned by Disney. Is it on Disney Plus? Yeah. Huh. Dude, I, Ratatouille is always a good watch. I believe it. It's just a great movie. The cheese and mushroom scene always gets me going. Remember when he got struck by lightning? Oh. oh not, not that scene, when, uh, when he tells his buddy, like, hey, man, taste this. He's like, okay, jazz. He's like, all right, now taste the cheese. He's like, okay. He said, okay, put them together. Oh, and like the lights are going on? Yeah, like, oh. oh. That scene always does it for me. Again, focus cable. You want to open up a spot in Glen Iris, right? Or in that area. Yeah, Chef Gusto's, man. Chef Gusto's. Gusto's. <laughs> We're opening up a place called Chef Gusto's. <laughs> I'm assuming it's some kind of Italian cuisine, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like... Is it a, how many, that place kept getting Michelin stars taken away from it. That was the issue, right? Where yeah. it kept losing Michelin stars. You know what was really weird is if you watch that movie, 
it shows like the stars, but there's five stars, but Michelin stars only go up to three. I thought it was four. Is it three? I think it's three. Well, it's Disney World. They can do whatever they want. Five, people understand five stars, I think, the easiest. They're like, okay, just give them five stars. It may not have been called Michelin stars in the movie. They may have just made up a, yeah, st- right, so like okay. a thing and then just been like, oh. Michigan stars. <laughs> Michigan stars. Or do you, do you know, stars. Do you know Michelin, like what Michelin stars are? Like the company? Hmm. The Michelin Tire Company. Shut up. Yeah. You're lying. I am not. People always, people do Because I just said Goodyear stars. It's I, that's, a joke. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I thought you knew. That's why, I, that's why I brought it up. So for all you guys listening, the Michelin stars for the finest cuisine in the world was started by the Michelin Tire Company. You know the Michelin man? Like yeah, the, the, the big the, chunky muscle. Yeah, the, 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 the doughy looking guy. That's the same company who does Michelin stars. If you don't believe me, go on their website. They have an entire section dedicated to Michelin stars. Stop it. And so the history of it, it's because Michelin Tire Company is really old and it's based in France. It used to be for truckers. Makes sense. It used to be for truckers. And they and so the Michelin Tire Company made a book for them of the best places to eat on the road. Stop it. And eventually it just grew out of that to where it was became elitist. It is the most important food ranking. No longer for truckers, but for the elites. But yeah, it's the same company. It is the same company. How would you feel if you're a trucker? Like man, he used to be, he used to be for us. Be for us moved us. on. He used to be about this barbecue. <laughs> he used to be about Bob Sykes. <laughs> now, now it's about this chef Gusteau's in Paris that I can't afford. Dude, what? Yeah, that's incredible. Is it? It's people don't know it. Really. Imagine you making some little list for your boys. It's like, hey, I know y'all on the road all the time. You're the best spots I know of to go eat. And then some newspaper, I guess, picks wind of it. It's like, hey, could you do this for like you know, really fancy stuff? restaurants? Like, yeah. I guess. Sure, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know much about these here fancy places, but I can give it a try. I'm just a humble little French <laughs> trucker. Just a retired truck man. That's, um... Yeah, fun fact for trivia night, I guess. I don't know if that improves the uh, allure of Michelin stars, or if it's like, ah, it's the truck guy. I mean, we, we don't, we're not even near any Michelin star restaurants, so... They're all, like, in New York, and... You're talking about Vecchi's right down the street. You were right. You know, let's go to Al's. Has two Michelin stars. And I used to think like, oh, you've got one Michelin star. Your place sucks. It's like, oh no, like one that, is it's, one is great, fantastic, best food of your life. Go to Gordon Ramsay restaurants. They're all all Michelin starred, even though he owns like a thousand. Yeah. So he's actually not a mean guy. You know what? Not that he's pretty chill. Yeah, I think he just does it for the show. I think he's just an intense person. He he's very professional. If you can't be a professional, yeah, good point. Plus, like in those restaurants, you kind of have to be. He he's ex- his expectations are high, and so when you don't meet them, he gets angry because you're. You come on the show and you're like, "Oh, I'm this fantastic chef," and he's like, "We'll prove it." Yeah, and then they don't, and he he's like, "He's like, now nah, you're just an idiot." So, astute observation. Yeah. Do you know who his mentor was? <clears throat> it's a guy named Marco Pierre White, and um, go on YouTube and type in his name because he does Master Chef Australia. Dude is the most well-spoken dude you've ever seen. Really, he's scary well-spoken. <clears throat> they're like old though. Oh yeah, he's old. Um, but there are like these really old videos of Gordon Ramsay making pasta for him while he was and doing an interview. Oh, that's insane. It's really weird, and Gordon Ramsay looks so weird being super young. Really, it's like scary. 
And he still has like he a really wrinkly face. Yeah, I was going to say, he's got, are he those because of youth or is that because of just physical genetics? Oh, wow. Who knows? I do enjoy good, well-spoken people. Yeah, but Michelin stars. Michelin Tire Company. There you go. When you go on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and that question pops up, you'll know. I'll be ready. You'll be ready. The immediate next question. I'm glad I watched. Wrong. I'm glad I listened to Caleb's podcast. Make sure you give me some of that prize money. I see. So uh, we're here for educational purposes. Allegedly. 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 Anyway, restaurant ideas. <laughs> <clears throat> we keep getting sidetracked. Oh, um, the business, I anyway, for the, you guys who don't know, there's this place called Wally's Market. Wally's Market. W a l l i apostrophe s. It That's is, how you spell it. Yeah. No e. Mm. No y. Mm. Nope. All right, continue. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> it's this really old building, um, in Glen Iris, because I, I live in Birmingham South Side. And I pass it all the time. It used to be this really old kind of neighborhood mm-hmm. market thing. I don't really know because it was closed by the time I moved in, so I don't know exactly what, what they sold was. or yeah. was it like was it like a gas station almost, or was it like an actual like really just small grocery store? I don't know. Um, anyway, so I had the idea one day that it would be the perfect place for a coffee shop, a coffee and pastry shop, and I'll tell you why. Because if you're French. Roots to ratatouille. Exactly. They love pastries. Exactly. That and white people. Oh. All right. White people, love, <laughs> white people love coffee and pastries. They just do. Accurate statement. They, they, they just do. And Southside is increasingly, is increasingly becoming more white because people are moving back in. Mm-hmm. And so I had the idea, well, why not just open up a little coffee and pastry shop? You know? It's very capitalistic of you. I guess. Like, it's very... I was just reading what was happening in Southside because there's a lot of families moving in, a lot yeah. of people coming back. And you can we can debate whether or not that's okay because of displacing other people but and raising property value so more people of lower income I was just about to in. take it there. I was like, is that indirectly, like, incentivizing uh, raising the property value so more white people come in so that way... You push minorities out. Yeah. Yeah, and or you prevent people from low income neighborhoods from moving in. The fact in. you're aware of that I think I think speaks for itself. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm very aware right? of this. <laughs> I like I, I hope you did, hope you weren't listening to me like this guy. Here's the plan to get out black uh, people. <laughs> your coffee shop is just a front. <laughs> you caught me, Caleb. Yeah, I got you. You caught me, man. Don't worry, Town Hall. I, I keep him in check. I <clears throat> I hold this man accountable. But anyway, so that was that's basically was my business idea was you could open up this little coffee and pastry shop because you'll have all these families moving in and try to um you know just kind of reinvigorate um kind of the economy and stuff because there's not a lot of it's just it's a neighborhood, right? Yeah, really it's just Um so like there's Wally's Market and then if you go down the couple blocks there's Dreamland yeah. and all that. Just um, hidden spots. Like, it's not all in one area. It's like, oh, there's a restaurant right here. Oh, I'm keep dropping. Oh, there's another one. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the I wish Wally's Market was closer to Dreamland because then that would be even better. Um, but, yeah. So, like, but this isn't, I guess, a new dream. Because, like, the logistics of it have obviously come into place. You put more thought into it in terms of 
oh, the demographics, the trends of the neighborhood and everything. But, like, back in high school, we were talking about... The uh, three cheeses. The three cheeses. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so this concept of, like, owning a small business restaurant-style place, it's always been in there somewhere, it yeah. seems like. I, I don't know. I always thought it'd be pretty cool to own a small business. You know? Yeah. You know, be your own boss. Yeah. You know? Because, like, for me, it was never really about the money. It's just about, you know, enjoying getting up in the morning. I was going to ask, is this, is it something that you, I guess, have more of an affinity towards the concept of the restaurant? Like, oh, I want a coffee pastry shop. And yeah. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get that. Or is it more, I want to have a stamp in my community where it's like, oh, yeah, I want to own, like, a couple restaurants here that, like, identify, like, this is Glen Iris. These three restaurants, that's who we are. Mm-hmm. Or is it more... I just want to be my own boss or I want to have somebody else running the businesses and I just kind of want to get the cash flow in in terms of like, this is a good way to do it. I think it's a little bit of all. Okay. I mean, it's kind of complex. I mean, it'd be really cool to be your own boss and be a part of a community, but then also not have to worry about, you know, being able to step back and be like, you know, like you handle it. And yeah. then, you know, like, like a, like you're like a renter, right? Mm-hmm. You own a property that you rent out, like that's that's your income your income is based on another person's income yeah um or another person's work i should say um i think it's just a little bit of all of that and i mean i think a coffee and pastry shop would just be really fun because it'd be really chill it wouldn't be like fast paced yeah it'd just be like be like what do you want like coffee? i mean i know <laughs> get granted y'all should hey, know i know want? nothing about making coffee or making pastries but i mean you can always learn you know there's nothing wrong with saying you don't know something couple episodes of Gordon Ramsay's Health Kitchen. Exactly. Catch you up to speed. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I don't think it'd be too difficult. Yeah. And um, or the, that part of it, I think the logistics and like being able to have like supply lines would be really hard. But you know, it's hard to think about. It's like I always wondered why people want to be small business owners. Mm-hmm. I understand. Obviously, the you are your own boss is a significant component for a lot of people. Because a lot of them have worked in, like, the regular industry. And they say, look, my bosses have always been garbage. I need to do this myself because I know how to do it the best. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, I respect that. But at the same time, it's like some people, and this isn't for everybody, but some small business owners, they're not really small business owners. They're just job owners. Like, all you've really done. They're investors. Done, yeah. yeah. It, to a degree, it's like all you've really done is significantly, not significantly, you've solidified your occupation in this job nobody can fire you yeah but now you're the one running the store you're the one waking up early you're the one staying late it's like oh you're working a lot harder nobody's telling you what to do but like and a lot of the financials people think oh if i'm a small business owner i'm raking in money not all the time no like sometimes you got to put your finances a lot smaller in order to reinvest back into business yeah so it stays afloat and it's like i don't think a lot of people know that yeah it's a lot of work yeah yeah well that that's why like um you know, uh, cities like Birmingham, they don't really um, have taxes on small businesses. Hmm. Um, I didn't know that. Because obviously, if you're a small business, then taxes on capital gains is really high. Yeah. Because capital gains taxes is really high. And I mean, profit, profit is basically capital gains. And so usually it's better for cities to be like, you know what, you don't have to pay a lot of taxes. Mm-hmm. 
but your employees that will, will, will we benefit from you just having jobs yeah. that make money right. that then we can tax on income. Eventually, we'll get our money from you eventually. And then, and then of course that goes into like, you know, making the economy more stable. And that's what, that's how Birmingham was got back, got brought back up was because there's not a whole lot of taxes on small businesses in Birmingham, hmm. mainly because there's not a lot of small businesses in yeah. Birmingham. And so, and COVID, of course, is, you know, ruined a whole <laughs> Kinda bunch of Kind of set us that. back a couple of steps that um, we thought we were making. Yeah. Because of that, do you think Birmingham's going to have a quick bounce back? Like, do you think, because obviously a lot of places are falling down. Do you think we're going to get a lot of new businesses jumping in saying, oh, yeah, no. What, what defines as a quick bounce back? Okay, yeah, I guess that's. I mean, like, you're talking about, like, a couple of years? Like, because, I mean, relatively, that's pretty fast for a recession. Yeah. Or do you mean, like, in a couple of months? <clears throat> or not a couple of months, but, like, six months, eight months? Yeah, I guess specifically let's put a time frame on it world games are going to be here was it 2021 right are we 2022 now because the olympics got pushed back to 2021 so the world Games said okay we can't compete with the olympics we'll just bounce back to 2022 okay so we bought two years okay two years do you think we're i guess i wouldn't say 100 percent back but do you think we'll be revitalized enough to be a worthy contender of hosting the 2022 world games um i think i think in two two years you can be optimistic about a bounce back i mean it's hard to say i mean nobody knows but i think i think yeah i think you could bounce back in two years i think birmingham could do it yeah um and the reason i say that is because the alabama economy as a whole hasn't been terribly affected by covid okay um and you're already asking why. Well, it's because the Alabama economy isn't super globalized. <laughs> you know, it's not it's, really. it's, not, it's not like New York's and California's economy that's so invested in kind of global the global networks and yeah. imports and exports, and because all of that got frozen. Mm-hmm. But for Alabama, a lot of Alabama's revenue comes from inside and and inter- interstate commerce with other states, and not necessarily with other nations as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe maybe Mobile's a little bit different. Um, I don't really know the state of Mobile and its rank and the priorities of global trade. But, um, yeah, because, I mean, Birmingham, Alabama economy as a whole is very centralized. So, obviously, UAB, we have a lot of companies that keep the state afloat but aren't necessarily invested in the world itself. And so, and the world economy, I don't think is... I think the world economy will bounce back really fast. And I think it kind of already has. You're starting, say, we're already starting, you're starting to, see to see that. Aspects of it beginning pretty good. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's because COVID's weird because COVID, it wasn't, it created an economic problem. The system itself didn't create the problem. Yeah. So like in 2008, the system itself created the econo- economic mm-hmm. problem. And that's why it was so hard to get out of. This, it was a whole another external thing. The system works. If we could just get the system running, like somebody exactly. just turned the power off button. It's like, hey, somebody please turn the power back on. Exactly. Once we do, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay because the system itself didn't fail. Yeah. It's just that it had to stop in order to stifle the virus. But, I mean, they said, they're saying that we'll probably get the first round of vaccines towards December. Yeah. Um, we won't. We won't get it. Probably. <laughs> they'll, 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 they'll give it what to. Happened? They'll give it to really important people and old people, which they should. I mean, I mean that's. I mean that's the right thing. Do you to think do. healthcare workers won't be able to get it? Well, I guess they should be in that really important people category, right? The health, surely the healthcare workers should I think be included. Pro- in probably. That. I would hope. I would hope. Um, I guess it depends on how much how they many, make. Yeah, how, how quickly they can. Do how much they make? Because I think they said something like 
200 million, I think is what I saw. I mean, maybe different. I don't know. I'm just, because if I'm not, if I'm not misremembering this, I remember there was a vaccine that didn't work. I think it was like H1N1. But it was like, they said like, oh, we got the vaccine ready and it did not turn out well. It was like, that, we act like, we yeah. act like modern medicine is perfect. It's like, guys, guys, yeah, no. we've got the scientists on it. We're fine. It's like, hey, these scientists make mistakes sometimes. And it could be, and especially with a virus of this magnitude, we're really just rushing out there and saying, all right, let's quickly find something. The level of mistake here is pretty small. But we're rushing it to the point where, like, it's there's a greater chance that there's going the to be... The margin of error is growing yeah, the faster yeah, you try yeah, and get so, it out. Yeah. I'm not trying to sound like a Debbie Downer here. I'm just saying, everybody, let's... Let's not get our hopes up that yeah. it's going to be the solution to all our problems. So. Yeah. Um, mm. I'd say one good thing that has come out of this pandemic is um, there's a lot more focus on inequality. And obviously, that's been a huge thing. Wow. But, I'm, but I mean... but. Not only just racial, but I mean, really well. Think, thank you for class. <laughs> well, he, well, well. Here's what I'm saying: is people are much more aware that rich people have not been affected that much. Yeah. And so the whole like Jeff Bezos has like added like forty trillion or forty billion dollars to his net worth, and so people are like, so people are like, well, wasting like we're all on an un- unemployment. Yeah. While you're raking in the dough because the stock market kind of crashed, but now it's back up. But our wages, we're, we're out of jobs. And he still doesn't pay taxes on any of that stuff. Mm. Not really. Nope. Wow. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, I, th- I think Birmingham will come back. I think it'll be okay. I'm I'm very optimistic because I think Birmingham's... Half, a, glass half full kind of guy. Well, I'm just... Birmingham's one of those really weird cities where it has a lot of potential if just somebody came in and was like, listen, we're just going to invest in the city a little... I, I feel like Birmingham is always on the precipice of if we just had an influx of money. <laughs> if know? somebody would just give us some money, I feel like we'd be great. Like, I, I, have, I have this fantasy that for some reason a billionaire is going to come out of Birmingham and be like, you know what? I'm going to give back to this community. We're going to fix all your roads. We're going to help out with housing. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. No. Now, what I find very interesting, mm-hmm. let's take this back to George Floyd's murder the unrest, and the first Confederate monument being removed was downtown. Limpart. Chiefed by our mayor, Randall Woodfin. Mm-hmm. That is significant. Yeah. When you go back to the history books, we got no choice but being in there saying, listen, Randall Woodfin just etched his name in stone and saying, guess who was first? Me. And now it's like, okay, that's significant. I'm wondering what else will come with that. Not everything obviously gets that historically significant, brings in other attention, financial gain, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm wondering if Birmingham will be, I guess the right word is savvy enough to be able to play on this historical context and say, we got to capitalize on this at least. We already have the Civil Rights Museum. That's great. Mm -hmm. We have obviously the movement of our people behind it we still have a lot of people who aren't on board with everything yeah and obviously i don't know what savvy means because i'm not the one who's savvy enough to be able to capitalize on this but i wonder if this created an opportunity for us to find out hey let's get some funds in here for some more stuff but let's say we want to build another civil rights institute we uh-huh. apply for more people say hey listen we were the first to knock down that statue all right we do a lot of important stuff down here but we need something else to be able to invest in 
would you mind helping us invest? And that alone would ha- try and, I guess, trickle down to some other investment opportunities. You're saying that Birmingham should capitalize on its relevant history. Yes. I don't want to. I don't want it. To, <laughs> I don't want it to sound. And again, sounding is one thing; being is another. But in essence, yeah. Yeah. It's like, what if we use this moment to? You want Birmingham to take the lead in how to. You want Birmingham to take the lead in how to merge past in order to create a new future, basically. And so, you're saying that the best way to do that is for them to say, "Hey, we just need we need some money to help us." Yeah, and I think a lot of it. We talked about this, I guess, our freshman year. It's like, what if we just played on? This is obviously before all this. We're like Birmingham needs to capitalize a bit more on its important civil rights history. Yeah, we're talking about okay, Bartow Arena's got all that ugly brick exposed. It's like, what if we made a mural of Birmingham civil rights mm-hmm. things on the wall? That's like that's something. I'm not gonna say it's easy because you gotta paint a building, and yeah, a mural. But that's an example of like, okay, Birmingham is committed to emphasizing and making that a significant part of our identity. It's like we have this now. If there was ever a time to just move with the motions of all of this, it'd be now. Yeah, and I don't know if they'll do that. I think they will, um, but it'll be interesting to see to what extent. I guess. I, I think that'd be really smart, and yeah, it's kind of weird the monument because. We, because the city got fined. Yeah, it got because it, it was against the law to do yeah. it, and so the, Randall Wolfen had to pay a fine. But his reasoning for it, because I followed him on Instagram, his reasoning for it was really cool because he basically said, "Listen, we'll pay the twenty five thousand dollar fine mm-hmm. if that means just having peace." Yeah, I thought that was a really good. And he's also so because you know he's a law student. Man is bright. I say he's, he's very articulate. There was a second piece of that legislation that went with that that was supposed to. Basically bankrupt any city who decided to turn, get rid of their financial, I mean, get rid of their Confederate monuments. There was going to be an additional $10,000 per day fine really? attached to that for every day that monument was like, because most monuments are not just like obliterating. They're just pulling it off and moving it somewhere. Yeah. So the state would enact the first $25,000 fine, an additional $10,000 fine. And every day that monument is outside of its original spot, it's an additional $10,000. That legislation was in the works pre-COVID. So once COVID happened, it was like, ah, it I'm just a out. bill, just an ordinary bill. So uh, then Randall Whitman was like, listen, if we're going to take this down, we have to do it right now in the midst of this before that thing becomes law. So we'll take the $25,000 fine because it won't hurt us in like a $10,000 a day fine. Yes. So he was like, I just avoided financial purgatory. That's smart. I was like, dude, guys, he's That's thinking. He's it's thinking. really, because like, Birmingham wasn't a city during the Civil War. No, it wasn't. So like, for people who don't know, Birmingham was founded in 1873. Spit facts. Yeah. And so, like, why why do you even have this Confederate monument? It, I'm re- I was reading a book. It's called Race and Reunion by a guy named David Blight. And um, it's basically, it's called Race and Reunion, the Civil War in American Memory. And he talks really in depth about Confederate monuments and stuff. And um, it got me thinking, I think I told you this before, too was what I would want to happen was they obviously take the Confederate monument down Mm -hmm. and then I really wanted the Civil Rights Museum to take it because what the Civil Rights Museum could have done was we're going to create a new exhibit on the Black Lives Matter movement Mm. and then we're going to have this obelisk and we're going to display it on our own terms but on its side Yeah, because the whole point of an obelisk is that it's supposed to stand up and so if you display it on its side 
not only are you technically taking its symbolic power away, but then you're basically saying we're displaying it on our own terms. That's incredible. Yeah, I, I thought that'd be good. I don't know what they did with it. I don't know either. I, I honestly don't know what I, they did with I it. I can't see the Birmingham Surprise Institute not taking it. Because it was right there. Like, it's basically right across the street. I have no idea. And I think that'd be a great power move because the one, a lot of the calls we would get from constituents regarding the monument, um, well, about half of them were, my great-great-granddaddy uh, fought in the Confederate War. And that's our history you're taking down. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, first of all, you live in Coleman, Alabama. You don't drive to Birmingham. So you're not seeing this monument. Yeah. When was the last time you took your grandchildren to this monument to go learn about Confederate history? And when you told them about that mm-hmm. history, what exactly did you tell them? Because I don't think you were telling them about the whole slavery thing. You were probably telling them about sweet tea and Alabama football. Because that's what the Civil War was about. They were trying to take that from us. Yeah. But... The other part of that was, again, if you're taking down these monuments, you're taking down history. So what different is this from, like, Nazis who changed history books and stuff like that? It's like, okay, fair. Mm-hmm. I personally don't walk up to monuments and say, hmm, what can I learn from here? Who is this? What? I really don't care. Yeah. I don't care about statues. But there are people out there who do. Yeah. So your idea of, yes, we take down the monument. Let's go put it in a learning environment. So when you go to the Birmingham Civil Rights Museum and you see this monument, you understand, guess what? Now there are 10 plaque things that they do to tell you exactly what it is, who it represents, and why it's And why it was taken down and all that stuff. So now you get the complete story. Because when I just see a monument, it tells me a partial story. Mm -hmm. It tells me who that particular monument is for. And again, if it was erected years ago, it's probably outdated. I don't have the full history of what was happening. And it's biased to whatever time period that was. We take it this far removed and say, hey, here's the complete story. That's the most effective use of educational, I guess, resource of a monument being able to be that. Yeah. So, Well, monuments in general, because there's there's different versions of monuments when it comes to Confederate, Confederates. Because you have the obelisk, which was in Lim Park, which, we, which is what we're talking about. It's old. It's like 110 years yeah, old. Yeah, it's really old. Yeah. And so, obviously, the historian in me is like, yeah, we should probably try and at least save that. And, like, put it in an educational setting, like mm-hmm. you said. But then there's obviously, like, the really cheap Confederate monuments. <laughs> that, are like, that that when you watch videos of them being forcefully taken down, you know, they're just hollow bronze, all that type of stuff. Yeah. And it's, like, they're not even about something, like... Made out of paper mache. Well, they're not... You, if, they're like some, if they're, like, made for somebody, it's usually just some regular dude who just yeah. happened to be Confederate. And yeah. so, like, they just put it up to do it. And it's like, you should probably take those down. Yeah. And, like, don't even display them. It's like, what's the po- even point? Like, this is just like, he was a private who fought in the Civil War for, like, a year. <laughs> like, what did he really do? <laughs> he didn't change anything. Like, he didn't, like, was a president. He, just kinda... like, he wasn't Robert E. Lee. I don't hey, know. Hey, that's Ricky. I know Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird, man. It's, it's a it's a kind of a cool time to be alive. Because people are going to look back on it and be like... It's kind of weird. Like, that that's kind of astonishing that it took us this long to be like, you know, we probably shouldn't have these monuments up. Yeah. So, it's weird. I've, I've thought a lot about the Confederate identity, just being from the South, and we're obviously surrounded by it. Yeah. Um, it's really, it's interesting because a lot of it stems from the fact that, I think we talked about this the first podcast, the failure of Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think we talked about that. It, it's weird when you look back on it because obviously Lincoln gets assassinated, Reconstruction begins because mm-hmm. he died right when the Civil War ended, and what happened was the Republicans at first 
actually took advantage of their position because the Democrats, uh, i.e. the southern states, weren't in the union because mm-hmm. they had to be readmitted. And so they didn't have any political power. What that meant is that the Republicans controlled the government. And so what they did was they passed the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments, yeah. right? So, you know, if you're born in the United States, you're a citizen, you can't be denied voting rights, mm-hmm. all that jazz. And so, but what happens is Southerners look at this and they say to themselves, well, at first they said, they said to themselves, wow, like we just got our butts beat. <laughs> That was tough, right? huh? Well, I, I shouldn't say that because uh, that's not really the objective. <laughs> I, I'll say th- this is something it's it's hard to put our minds around because we're we will never have probably another civil war because you know no there's no sectional conflict really. There's not really a north or south anymore. No, not really. And so, and the states are unified. There, you know, there's more of a national identity than there's a state identity now. But when you think about what happened. This is something you got to kind of put yourself in their shoes. If you're an American right after the Civil War, Mm -hmm. what you're thinking about is, dang, this was a devastating war. And here's well, here's the thing. You're more interested in grief. So this is what, like I said, David Blight's Racing Union talks about. It's a really good book. I think everybody should read it. But what he said is this. He said... The seduction of remembrance was more powerful than the pursuit of the emancipationist legacy of the Civil War. That's basically his thesis. And it's really profound when you think about it because both North versus South, he he uses veterans a lot Mm -hmm. because veterans are the embodiment of the American cultural memory at this point. He's saying that veterans, it's not that they didn't care about racial equality. It's just that they went through such a traumatic experience that what they wanted to do, instead of continuous, continuing to fight for the rights of black people, they said, I would rather reconcile with the Southerners if you're a Northern veteran. Yeah. I would rather come together and be like, you know what, let's memorialize the bravery and valor of the war wow. instead of why it was fought. And wow. it may, it's reasonable. That makes sense. Yeah, like it's, if it's I a, just went through all of this, it's like I want to at least grab my part of history. And, right well, here. and that's why memorials became a thing. So this is hmm. the origins of Memorial Day. Is It used to be called Decoration Day. And what it was for was for memorializing dead Civil War veterans. Wow. And so what they did was they'd go around, they'd go around and they'd set up this is how like national cemeteries were set up was after the civil war there were so many dead that they couldn't send them back so they just created national or national cemeteries and so what they did was then they would go around and um decorate the graves of all these civil war veterans and that kind of starts this idea of the remembrance movement and that's crazy yeah so basically the republican party they get the 13, 14, 15 minutes passed, all that. That's that they get some more civil rights legislation passed. And then what happens is they start, like most political parties with a lot of power, they start becoming corrupt, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And this is what, like, the Grant administration is known for being extremely corrupt. And so. And FIFA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> FIFA, don't even talk about FIFA. I hate that. I hate everything about FIFA. Anyway, anyway. Anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> And so, um, so basically, yeah. So let's take it from the Southern perspective. So the Southern perspective is 
we just got our butts beat and we're more interested in grief too. Yeah. But what happens is they see the well, conscious or subconscious, they see the weakness that the Republican Party starts having and slowly they're being readmitted to the union. Mm-hmm. And so what they what they basically do is they participate again, whether they do this consciously or subconsciously, we don't really know. But they're more, just like Northerners, they're seduced with let's reconcile and unify the nation and kind of move past this sectional conflict. The problem with that was, as that happened, they participate in memorials too. But who do they memorialize? Their people. Their people. Yeah. And so they memorialize Southern Confederate veterans and and the North is complicit with this because they're doing the same thing. Now, put yourself in the shoes of these people. What do you, why, you have to justify why you're memorializing these people and why they fought. Yeah. And so, again, I really suggest people read Race and Reunion, but basically what happens is it becomes a slippery slope and they start saying, well, Civil War wasn't about slavery. Mm Mm-hmm. It was about state rights. It was about our own independence and autonomy because yeah. we saw, you know, the aggression of Northern Republicans and liberal idealism mm-hmm. as an affront to our own sovereignty. And so that's kind of the origins of the lost cause wow. narrative was like, no, it wasn't about slavery. It was about us just having autonomy on our own land and stuff, even though this does, it doesn't make sense because if that was true, if they were really the Civil War was about Southern sovereignty over Northern political aggression, mm-hmm. I guess you would call it. Then the Civil War would have happened a lot earlier because, yeah. for example, the nullification crisis, which I don't know if people are familiar with it, but basically a tariff was passed and South Carolina didn't like it. So South Carolina said, we're not going to follow it, but you can't do that. Yeah. And so they threatened to secede, but they didn't. Yeah. they just Because kind of... they knew it was ridiculous. <laughs> we can't be on our own. Yeah. And so... And so basically that's the origins of the lost cause and Confederate memorial movement was because wow. the grief was more powerful and the reconcil reconciliar I can't say this word reconciliationist attitude was more powerful than the fight. Well it was more it was more seductive than the will to fight for racial equality because social solidarity in yeah. their eyes was more important than continual political disagreement. Oh, that's incredible. You know, I, I'm obviously going to dumb this down like 10 levels, but it almost sounds like, it, it, to me, it's like, oh yeah, if um, if I got in trouble for something, chief complained about we got in trouble, we fought, and then whatever, the person wins, and they start doing something, I want to do it too. And in yeah. this case, the South wanted to memorialize, obviously, their Confederate soldiers. The reason they were fighting was for a big part, mainly slavery. Yeah. And, but... Let's say Big Brother fought me. I want slavery. Big Brother doesn't want slavery. And I start memorializing my friend. He comes around and says, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm memorializing my friend like you. He said, well, what are you memorializing him for? Y'all lost. You're like, oh, shoot. If I say slavery, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble. Um, uh, state sovereignty. That was the real reason why. Because that's not really why the state, the Northern states were really mad. It's like, we're mad about this slavery thing. He's like, oh, okay. Then Big Brother looks at me like, oh, he got over the slavery thing. Okay. Let yeah. Him, let him have it. Sure, man. Do whatever you want. And so it's like, huh. If we just leave out the whole slavery thing, we can build as many as we yeah. want. To. Well, because people start saying to themselves, "Well, we did, we did what we were supposed to do. We abolished slavery, and now, yeah. you know, we're going to clean our hands of it. Like yeah. we're more interested in, you know, grieving and healing yeah. than justice." Wow, 
that's it's quite interesting, but it's a it's a very profound thesis that grief was the universal denominator. Yeah. And that it's very comprehensible and you can be sympathetic to it, but it's tragic because what it morphed into was a slip was a slippery slope of Confederate memorialization and lost cause. Wow. So Give a man an inch, he'll take a mile. Basically, man, it, it was and so a lot of Confederate memorials are basically have origins. Like the famous Robert E. Lee statue was yeah. built um, a little bit past Reconstruction, I believe. Wow. And um, yeah, it's because by that point, you know, Reconstruction was over. Yeah. The North didn't have any sort of influence over the South. And so they were just able to do what they, they wanted. I'm just amazed that, that still narrative is still that was almost 150 years ago, 150 plus years ago. It's like that's still people. I'm not going to say the word brainwashed, but they're still seduced by that narrative almost well so yeah so it became so they were seduced at first right Mm -hmm. so they were seduced and whether again consciously or subconsciously we don't know yeah but they wanted they did this because they thought what they were doing was right almost yeah that they wanted to do this because they had lost loved ones and so they wanted to do what the north north was doing and memorializing their dead and then that caused the lot like the lost cause indoctrination yeah and so then that became propaganda almost and so no longer when people talk about confederate monuments do they talk about oh it's because we lost a whole bunch of people and like loved ones it's because it became the lost cause ideology more than it became grieving wow yeah crazy so there you go i mean yeah you just dropped the big fat knowledge bomb on this podcast yeah that's what a, timing, too. That's a, such good it's information good to have right now. It's a, I, well, so I don't, I honestly don't know, but I, when I read it, I was like, this book is insane. Like, <laughs> when was it written? Like 2001, I think. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know, actually. I think it's early 2000s. Timely. Timely yeah. as ever. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just a... So I'm going to, I guess, push the narrative to like more today times. Do you think we should still be putting up monuments for things, for people? Or do you think that's just an outdated thing to do and it has like too many... We've seen, we've seen the slippery slopeness of it. And we've seen how people in their day are blind to a lot of the injustices of their time. Because right now, we're obviously in cancel culture. Yeah. If I find you with anything, whether it's related to what you did for the cause or not, I can't have you on anything. Right, so like mm-hmm. if I had a Bill Cosby memorial in my backyard, someone's like, "Hey, but what the heck is this? <laughs> like, you can't have this." You shouldn't have it's that. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's like we put down. Now we're at the point where like if you have any kind of track record or anything, and not really anything, I'm gonna say, but more of the egregious stuff, you can't. It's not safe to have those up. Is it even worth having these memorials for people anymore? If a hundred years down the line, twenty years down the line, we're gonna find something on them, it's like, ah, I'll take that down. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of weird because you don't want to like constantly think. Because you don't know a lot about a person sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And so it's kind of hard to judge that. I think you can still make statues of people. I just don't think there's anybody worth making statues of. <laughs> nobody's really worth no, it. Nobody's really worth it. I mean, <laughs> uh, stat- statues of people. I think memorials obviously are okay. Like, because you have a lot. Of, you have like the nine eleven memorial. Obviously. Right. You right. Should, okay. You should, I, I you should mean... make. Like stuff like yeah, but you're right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, because like you could make the logical conclusion or further that like logic you were saying was 
you can make the argument that the 9-11 memorial is anti-Muslim or something. Like, 100 years from now, Somebody you, could. You, yeah. you, you can make that argument. Yeah, yeah. And so that is always, it's always very dangerous to get really woke about stuff like that. <laughs> like, you know. Go back to sleep. Yes. Because, well, like, they could, they could be like, well, when people go to this memorial, you know, are they thinking about the terrorists who have to be Muslim? And that's creating this anti-Muslim sentiment. Right. It's a ridiculous notion because, of course, it doesn't. Yeah. Right? Um. But you could make that logical argument. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's anybody worth making statues of now. I don't wow. think. I mean, who? I mean, who? Denzel Washington, maybe? I'd say he deserves something. <laughs> deserves something. Um, it's fantastic. Did you see Fences? <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I. Let's make a statue of Viola Davis, man. I mean, yeah. I always put those two together. They're like, I know. They're elite. Yeah. Elite. Yeah. 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 I, I don't think there's anybody really worth making statues of. But, I mean, it's hard because... I mean, there are people talking about taking down that um, Abraham Lincoln statue. Really? Um, You, you know what I'm talking about? It's the one... It's I don't the know, one, Mount Rushmore. It ain't going to blow his head No, no, no. Not, not the Mount Rushmore one. It was the one in Philadelphia, I think. I think there's one in Philadelphia and one in Boston. Like, they're the same thing. Uh-huh. Uh, one's just a copy, and I don't remember the original. But it's Abraham Lincoln, and it's it's him standing, his hand over, and there's a black man who like who's a slave oh. who's pe- people interpret it differently, whether or not he's rising or whether or not he's kneeling in front of Lincoln, right? And so there's a debate on whether or not, you know, is it like a white supremacist thing? I was about to say, yeah, because depending on if you found out who made it and what their intention was... Oh my gosh. Well, well, here's the thing though. This is it's very complicated. So this statue was funded by emancipated slaves. Okay. But I don't but the, it's like it was funded by them, but I don't know if they had say in how it was depicted. I was going to say like just because they're they're yeah. first of all emancipated slaves. That tells you the time period where we're dealing with yeah. people's perspective of like, hey, you don't really get to make decisions. Yeah, so they funded it, but did they have a say in how it was going to be made but even then even the person who made it is like ah you paid for it but i'm gonna do what i want with it yeah exactly you're okay with but you don't know what i'm actually yeah and so there's this whole controversy i think i don't remember what i think one city said they were going to take it down i just don't remember what city it was but it's because like it's a weird statue because it's lincoln he's standing with his hand outstretched over this slave who you can interpret as rising or kneeling but the shackles are broken and then Lincoln has his coat over what people say is a whipping post. And so there's a lot of mixed signals of... Oh, there's too many layers to that. Yeah, there's, there's a lot too many layers There's a lot of layers. And so people are like, well, it's a white supremacist thing. And then there are people that are like, no, it's just it's a, just a statue that has Lincoln telling this slave to rise. That's yeah. symptomatic of the entire race. And I don't know. It's weird, but... I think the only solution is you'd have to over-explain it positively in front of that statue. It's like, yeah. hey... Here is exactly what this is a depiction of Abraham Lincoln and blah blah in terms of having his hand over the blah blah. And it's like, oh, okay, so that way whenever you walk by, you get the full description of what it is. But if it's literally just Abraham Lincoln in the picture of it, it's like, oh, yeah, let me just show it to you. Or, yeah, because um, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, well, it's like you have to prove intent at that point. Yeah, but then it's like if, if you're if you're trying to prove the intent of an Abraham Lincoln statue, I feel like it's going too far. Like it's different than a Confederate monument. It's so blatant. It's like like okay. I think I think we know why Confederate monuments have yeah. been put up at this point. But that's conspiracy theory level, right? Yeah, there. Mm, tricky stuff. That's really tricky. Well, they came after my boy Teddy Roosevelt. 
he has a statue. I've been hearing a lot of stuff about old Teddy here recently. Um, yeah, he has a statue outside the um, National History Museum, if I remember. And it's him on a horseback with a black man and a Native American yeah. holding on to him or something. And so there are people who are like, well, that's a white supremacist thing. I actually don't like that statue. I think that statue is kind of weird. Um, here, let me show you. Just make a new Teddy Roosevelt So here's statue. the statue. Yeah, I just type in Lincoln controversial statue. I guess if you're at home, I don't know. It it you can see both sides. I can see both. sides. You can that's see both sides. That's why I didn't it. say anything. So I wanted to have an initial reaction. I was like, oh no, I can see. It, it's a very weird statue. I'm gonna hold. That's that's a problem for somebody else to figure out because I have not. Gonna, oh, that's tough, man. Yeah, that's tough. It's a, it's a tough statue. Yeah. So is uh, old Lady Liberty she off the hook? We got any dirt on her? <laughs> She's the biggest one yet, right? <laughs> imagine, imagine if we found out. Obviously, I think she's just like some made-up woman that yeah. is just. Old. But imagine if we had to like somebody came up with some far-off conspiracy about Lady Liberty and what it actually meant, and whoever I guess the president would have to be in charge of that was tasked with. I guess I gotta take down this. <laughs> well, I, I think Trump, if I remember correctly, he signed an executive order saying that you can't take down, um, I think federal monuments. I think uh, I think that was the legislation okay. because federal monuments would be like something like Mount Rushmore. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. And so, um, I'm not, a little concerned about Mount Rushmore. I feel like something's gonna happen. I feel like people. Well, Mount Rushmore is really funny because the whole controversy is that it's built on like the Black Hills, which are supposed to be sacred, right? Mm. Um, um, if, I, if I remember it's the Lakota it's the Lakota that are saying that it's sacred mm-hmm. and then the problem was the Lakota took it no yeah I think Lakota took it from Cheyenne from the Cheyenne and the Cheyenne took it from someone else Yeah, and something all like that and so there's controversy over well it's like well just because you moved in like 20 years before <laughs> we started building this monument does that really count as sacred but then it's like well I'm sure the other Native American tribes thought it was sacred. Ooh. Yeah, so it's like... Yikes. It's like, Call them out. Oh. It's, like, oh. it's getting spicy. I don't know. I like Mount Rushmore. I think it's I think it's a fantastic monument. Do you think they're going to add another face to it? Or do you think it's just those four, those guys? Who, who would you add? Well, I thought it was interesting. Um, and obviously, he was talking to Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld. And I love Barack Obama. Yeah. But Jerry asked Barack, and he was like, listen... You're the first black president. You're in line for something great in terms of memorial, mm-hmm. like either face on a dollar bill mm-hmm. or like some nice holiday or something. It's like, what would you consider to be something that you're interested in? And Barack was like, just honestly, like, yeah, I think the Rushmore thing's pretty cool. And I was like, oh, my that gosh, can you cool. get another face on Rushmore? Like, are they, are they allowed to just? I mean, there's room, if I remember. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about that is like, okay, we got to draw a line somewhere. Because once you open Pandora's box... Like, all right, who else gets a – like, if Hillary Clinton's our next <laughs> president. Well, well, who makes that like, decision because – yeah. I don't know. And that goes back to your argument, like, the ownership of the sacredness of the mountain. Yeah, because you're just going to bring it back up at that point. Because, like, can I just call the construction crew? Hey, guys, although you could Barack up there. <laughs> although that would be like 3D chess if you were, like, a conservative because you could be like, yeah, sure, we'll put Barack Obama on Mount Rushmore because then liberals won't say we should take it down because then – that's 3D chess right there. That is 3D chess. That's 3D chess. Are they playing that, though? No, they're just... <laughs> no, I don't think... No. I don't know. I think I'd like to see him on there. I'd like... I love Barack. I've been... I've been... Um, 
these past couple months. And obviously, I'm not going to say something I know a lot about politics. I, I never do. I don't. Mm-hmm. But I just know I love listening to him talk. Very articulate. I've been going back and re-watching his speeches. It's like, Very man, good. this felt good. His, his eulogy for um, oh, John, John McCain. Lewis. Oh, John oh, McCain? John, John McCain and John Lewis. Oh, my yeah. gosh. It was, so classy. It was very witty. classy. Oh my god! It's very funny too. It's funny. Dude's a legend. Like, I mean, that, that's what that was a great eulogy. But yes, that one, that one hit the spot. That was a wonderful. That one. was a good one. Well, I mean, because like it brought up things about like how John McCain, you know, towards the end, you know, he down, he um, I don't know if people have seen this video, but of the lady the, who was like, he's a Muslim. Well, that too. I was going to get to that. Yeah, I was going to say. So when Republicans had control of Congress, they were trying to get rid of Obamacare like completely mm-hmm. and John McCain voted no. Oh, wow. And like, and nobody, cause they thought it was going to be bipartisan, it was going to be completely partisan and Republicans had the votes and then John McCain voted no and I destroyed the bill. That. Yeah. There's a video of it. It's actually a fantastic video because he goes up to Mitch McConnell who is just the worst. <laughs> Mitch McConnell. Who is just the worst. He looks and he, he looks at, he looks at Mitch McConnell and then he looks at the clerk and he goes, no. Wow. And like there's like and there's like gasp and there you can see like Elizabeth Warren and Chuck Schumer and they're like what wow. like Bernie Sanders too, it's crazy. And then yeah, obviously in the 2008 election when people were like very like Barack Obama's a secret Muslim and and even that it's like it's not illegal to be a Muslim. <laughs> you can be Muslim and run for president. And, and then John McCain was like, no, 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 he's a decent man. Like yeah, I mean pe- people have made the argument that you know John McCain, you know he was very warmongerish, but I mean oh, yeah, he was very intense. Yeah, but I mean. There's that, something that, about diplomacy. Well, that, that's Democrats and Republicans. People people who are really woke think that Democrats don't do this. Like, Democrats Democrats are very much very warlike and still very American imperialist. Yeah. All that type of stuff. You know, Democrats are not your friends. Okay? They're politicians just like everybody else. They are politicians like, just like everybody else. I, I don't think you should be loyal to a party. I think. I don't either. I don't I don't think that's I don't right. I, I, think, I think being strictly loyal to a party is kind of almost inherently undemocratic because you're just going to vote on party lines. It's like with Joe Biden. And again, people watching, I'm not a Donald Trump fan at all. <laughs> I, I, I am not. Let's I, just be clear. Let's just be clear with that. Um, but I don't drink the liberal Kool-Aid, even though I consider myself a liberal. Mm. Um, it's like Joe Biden, people are saying like, well, I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump. I'm going to vote for Joe Biden, even though I know Joe Biden is very much not the ideal candidate. Yeah, not really what I want. Um, simply because he's a Democrat. And so I, I'm not voting for the man. I'm voting for the party because I know if the Democrats are in power, they'll do more. And that's a reasonable conclusion mm-hmm. to be like, yeah, it makes sense that you'd vote for a Democrat regardless of whether or not you agree with him just simply because he'll probably put other, other liberals who are more in line with your own ideology yeah, in yeah. courts and in positions and, you know, at the EPA and all that type of stuff. And, um, and that's right. And, I mean, that's reasonable to assume. But at the same time, it's like, well, then what's the, even the point? Why do we even vote? It's like, everybody put your vote in here. Every year we'll just crank out the Democratic and Republican votes. And it doesn't even matter who, what they're saying. You're just going to go to the one side. Like, like, it doesn't matter the face of the party at that point. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter the man. But it's, I think we've had a real tricky time these past couple of elections. Oh, yeah. And because I will not lie to you, I really got tired of, in, cause this was happening in elementary school, I remember. People ask me, obviously in the 08 election, are you voting for Obama just because he's black? I was like... I can't even vote. First of all... <laughs> or in elementary school. I don't watch... I watched Spider-Man before coming in here. Like, that's where my my attention is. Like, I'm not watching these debates. I don't know about policy. 
So I looked at the two candidates and I was like, uh, Brock's got big ears. Um, he's old and white. I think I'll go with big ears. I think that's what I'll go for. And that's what my voting was because I was 10 at the time. Yeah. Fast forward to 2012, obviously a little bit more quote-unquote political savvy. Older. I was older. Older, yeah. People still ask me, you voting for Barack because he's black? And again, I was like, I paid a little bit more attention to politics. I was like, I think I align more with Barack, but yeah, I think I'm going to vote for him just because he's black because I'm trying to spite you. So again, of course, I couldn't vote, but I was like, if I did, I'd vote for Barack. Yeah. Well, We get to 2016, and it's Hillary versus Trump, and it's like... You no longer have that choice. You got to think about... It's like, yo, this is the first time, like... Yeah. Crap! (laughs) (laughs) I wish I could go back and review those elections say, okay, no, I'm voting for him because of this. This one's like, these are... And I still remember watching those South Park episodes during the time of the election. Oh my gosh, those are those will form my political understanding for years. But that's what it felt like. South Park embodied, I guess, the times perfectly in terms of that election. Yeah, this election is just going to be worse. I mean, I mean, I can give you my prediction right now. Joe Biden's going to win. I mean, I don't think Trump has any chance unless he like destroys in the debates, and even then, I don't think that will save him. Um, 2016 Trump was a different beast. I rewatched those debates. He was a lot younger. Donald Trump was a lot younger, and he was more articulate, which is a crazy thing to say when you think about Donald Trump. Yeah. He was actually going in on those debates. Well, he, he's, he's desperate now, but the difference between the 2016 election and the 2020 election is Donald Trump had an argument. Yeah. So his argument against Hillary Clinton was she's an elitist, and she's not actually looking out for you. Yeah. It's just that it's her turn and the Democrats basically handed it to her. And Donald Trump is he's actually quite politically savvy. Um, at least back then. He won presidency. I can't argue with it. Well, cuz like that's a great cuz that that's everybody's criticism of Hillary Clinton was that she was an elitist and that you know, she was basically in the pockets of corporations and yeah. that like she was the head of the democratic establishment which does not look out for its constituents and so donald trump he struck the right chord and people i think responded to that but he still lost the popular vote and all that and um but with here donald trump's the person in power and so his argument has been to appeal to his base yeah of hardcore conservatives which is joe biden you know he's gonna get rid of suburbs and he's gonna (laughs) you know he's gonna (laughs) <laughs> he's gonna create like <laughs> look out preserve yeah, they're coming like, for yeah, like his cabinet is gonna be like an anti-white coalition or something and um and that's not gonna work and so joe biden joe biden didn't come up with this his team came out with this his team basically just said you know what we're not even gonna put joe biden out there we're just gonna let donald trump destroy his own presidency which is exactly what he's done that's very so just let donald trump talk and we'll just ride on into the presidency. Well, I mean, I don't be surprised if the Joe Biden team goes, you know what, we're not even going to do debates. I think it's useless. I think a debate would actually help Donald Trump. Exactly. Because That's... it would remind his – because all it takes is for Donald Trump's base to show out again. Yeah. If they show up again, they got it. Because a lot of us still – not us. A lot of Joe Biden's camp, the Democratic Party, whatever, still, you know, maybe well, they're not – Joe Biden wouldn't win a debate because Joe Biden is not there – this is my opinion. These are jokers are, right? Yeah. Well, this is my this is my this is my whole pin my wholehearted opinion and you can make it what you will. I do not think Joe Biden's all there mentally cuz when you watch him speak, it's very obvious that he has something going on, mm-hmm. whether or not that's due to stress or dementia, or, yeah. it doesn't matter you're running for president, you should be mentally there. Pretty good. 
And I, I think you're right. I think Donald Trump has kind of the same issues because I mean they're they're at the age of Ronald Reagan was at, and Ronald Reagan was suffering from Alzheimer's hmm. at, towards the end of his presidency. I'm not. And yeah, and so um, and during a debate, Donald Trump is just going to destroy Joe Biden. So if you're the Joe Biden team, you go, you know what? We're we're just stand back. Like why why would we even allow Donald Trump? A it's the Tupperville move. Tommy Tupperville refused to debate Jeff Sessions because Tupperville knows. Jeff Sessions has been in the Senate for a hundred years. Yeah, he knows everything that you guys want. All I know is that I'm everything Trump wants. I'll give you a green light on. Mm-hmm. So what's the point of even debating? Like yeah. I'm just going to let the hype win me this election. And exactly. he won the primary. And I think the same thing will happen with. Um, well, I think obviously the opposite will happen with Trump if they go into debates. In terms of people are just looking for, I just want to feel something again. It's like with Trump right now, in terms of just doing the presidency, he's losing his base. It's like, dude, what are y'all doing up there? Exactly. And like, their their dream is like, just give me something. And if he gets back into that debate, because when I watched those 2016 debates, I was like, I brutal. He, Donald Trump knew how to rile up his people. He did. And if we get, if he still has a little bit of that fire left, all he has to do is get a platform where he's allowed to say everything that they love again. And I think he'll win. But, I again, I don't think – I'm with you. I don't think Biden's going to the debate. He's like, all right, let's just let this dude ride this yeah. out. Well, let's lose himself. Here's, here's an example of how smart Donald Trump is. <laughs> so during the 2016 – That's going to be the title of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Donald Trump is so smart. How Donald Trump is so well, smart. Here's, well, you got to remember. So in the 2016 election, during the debate I – don't, I don't remember what debate it was. Um, I think it was the first one, actually. Whichever one was right behind when the whole grabber by the thing came yeah, out, yeah. and um, and so and what Donald Trump made all the it was like it was locker room it was locker room talk yeah yeah, yeah. of course I have the smartest words um, <laughs> but what he did was again this is how bad Hillary Clinton was as a candidate just in general was um because she's married to Bill Clinton. Well, Bill Clinton has a lot of accusers. If y'all didn't know, <laughs> it's not—it's not—it's not just that he had this one-off with Monica Lewinsky. It was um, so Donald Trump brought one of the accusers to the debates. Did he really? I don't remember what debate this was, but I remember watching it and being like, "This is so ingenious." He brought one of the accusers to debate, and it was the debate right after that—the grabber by the thing. And so when he was making his apology at the beginning, because of course the news or whoever was monitoring the debate, that was the first thing they asked. Yeah. Was, was like, "How do you respond to?" These tapes of you talking to whatever um, yeah, those thing it was, there, yeah. and when he he said, "Look, it was locker room talk." Um, you know, it was just it was just boys being boys. Like, but look, let's talk about Hillary Clinton and who she's married to, and I have one of those no, accusers he didn't. Right there. It was so ingenious because it was such a perfect deflection, and so basically he was making the argument that like. Hillary Clinton's still married to this sexual predator, and she has the gall to talk to me about being a sexual predator. Wow. But the problem is you don't remember Donald Trump being a sexual predator. You just remember the savageness of Donald Trump going, here's an By accuser. Way, here's Bill's accuser who is in the audience right Monica there. Monica Lewinsky! <laughs> <laughs> like, in case y'all forgot. It's, it's great. Wow. It was fan- it's such a great, but he doesn't have that leverage over Joe Biden. No, he doesn't. He I doesn't. think the only thing that has the potential for that substance was the thing with Hunter Biden. Right, the controversy. Yeah. But even that, I still think that's a level too high for a lot of, for him to be able to articulate in a debate like, oh, what about you and Hunter Biden? It's like, what about me and Hunter Biden? I don't think he's able to articulate what it is. Mm -hmm. I don't think his base is able to comprehend what actually happened. 
But yeah. Monica Lewinsky and Biden is like, he slept with other women. It's like, oh, that's easy. Yeah, that's that easy. Tag. That's easy to comprehend. So, like, the layers of yeah. political injustice and bribery and corruption, that's a little too heavy. <laughs> Bring me some petty high school, oh, he's cheating on me, your homegirl, whatever. That rings the bell. All the American circles. That's great.